The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we have a great guest for you today and a great topic. We're talking to Ben Powers, uh, Ravens guard, and uh, having a great year right now. Uh, ben, how you doing? I'm doing good, Ken. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, absolute pleasure. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about your journey. But first of all, we've got to thank our sponsor, Liquid Death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. Please give them a, their product a try. They've been very good to us. Uh, Ben, I want to talk to you uh, about your journey because it's a very interesting one that touches on what I think a lot of people have come to learn from Last Chance You and 
other elements, but your journey is probably in some ways typical of other NFL players and, and atypical of others. But but t- take people through it in terms of maybe starting with the athletic family you come from. Yeah, Ken, uh, I, I come from a big family. My dad has seven other brothers and sisters, so eight of them all together that all played college basketball. Wow. Um, uh, all at different levels in college. And so naturally, um, I come from a very athletic family. So that helps uh, greatly. Uh, so g- good genes. And you're one of six kids, as I understand it? Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, and your grandfather played on a Wichita State team that made it all the way uh, in 64. They they were close to, to the, the final, final four. four. Yep. yep. Pretty unbelievable. Uh uh, that's something that's special for us and our family. All right. So one of the interesting things about your background, I did not know this, but I know I knew it was true of Marshall Yanda that he ended up going to a, to a JUCO school uh, first to, to basically to get his grades up, I think, at the time. Um, but in your case, you were not uh, recruited to play Division One ball right out of high school. Is that correct? Yep. I had zero Division One offers out of high school. Uh, playing Division One, be, being able to play at the highest level of college football is something I cared about tremendously. So, and I had zero offers to do that. So, my other my, my other good options were D two schools in the state of Kansas, where I'm from. A great D two school, Pitt State, was my uh, other option, or go to junior college and go to Butler Community College, who is one of the best junior college programs in the state. Those were my two options. I weighed them out. I decided to bet on myself. I decided to believe in what I wanted to accomplish. And I bet on myself and I went to junior college. I was in junior college for one semester. Um, the, my first semester, my freshman year in 2015, I was at Butler. Uh, in December, four months later, six months after I didn't have any offers, I uh, signed with Oklahoma and I played there three seasons, the following three seasons. First of all, great bet on yourself there. But yes. Butler, yes. people will know from last chance you, I think it's seasons three and four, when they go out to the team from Independence, Kansas, Butler's in that same Jayhawk league, right? Yep, yep. That's the same conference. I enjoyed watching that um, whole because of, there's all the conference teams. There's all the teams I played during my uh, one season there. Okay, so Dodge City and and uh, independent and all, Independence and all those. They take yeah. their football very seriously out in that conference, don't they? It's one of the best. That and the Mississippi Conference are probably the two best conferences in junior college football. So it, it's a good level of football. It's a good conference to find yourself in, and it definitely helped me. All right. All right, outstanding. So you go to Oklahoma, and – that Oklahoma line, particularly your senior year, unbelievable pro-laden talent. And and you had a true freshman playing with you at that point, Creed Humphrey, right? Who was just obviously has become Creed Humphrey. Yep. Man, being able to play with all those group of guys and to be able to see them go on and succeed in the professional career is so special. Uh, something like that does not happen very often. So to be able to be something, a part of it, a part of a unit like that, a part of a Joe Moore winning offensive line unit in college is very special to me. All right. It was was, uh, great watching some tape when you were drafted. We had a a roundtable show talking about you. And and I think you were the prospect that people wanted to talk about the most coming out of that draft, interestingly enough, in 2019. Maybe people like Marquise Brown and they wanted to, to, to know what was going on, but I think you were the guy that, that a lot of people wanted to talk about uh, uh, after the draft. So we had a, a roundtable show on that. 
Uh, so you're drafted by the Ravens coming out of Oklahoma. And, and talk a little bit about that in terms of like what it was like to wait to be selected on draft day. And then when you got the call from the Ravens. What was so special about draft day for me and being drafted to the Baltimore Ravens is my best friend, Orlando Brown, who was drafted by Baltimore the year before he was with me on that day. And so he, he was right next to me when I got the phone call and he saw the 410 area code and he starts going crazy. He starts snapping. And I, and because I, I didn't know, I didn't know the area code to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I pick it up and I say, hello, uh, this is Eric DaCosta with the Baltimore Ravens. We want to select you with our next pick. You know what I mean? He knew all that before I even picked up the phone. And so he's in the other room. He, he, he leaves the room because he's yelling so much. And I can hear him in the background. I'm trying to close my ears so I could listen, listen in and listen what's going on. And it was just a very happy moment for me and my family and something I'll remember forever. That is very cool. I did not know about Orlando Brown being there. I think that's it's been out there before, but I had forgotten it at least. Uh, so you, you get to the draft, you come to the Ravens. Uh, what impressed you most about about getting the NFL? What was new and different in terms of maybe facilities or how they work or whatever? It's so much more of a business when you come to play at the professional level and understandably, right? Um, everyone's in it for a reason. And so... That was a shocker to me. And then um, just the level of play it is. I mean, because every other level of football, you're playing based on age or weight limit. Like you hear those are the two uh, things that you get. You're playing with guys in your age group. Well, in the NFL, there is no age group, right? So you're playing with guys 10 years older than you. As you're posed in college, you're playing guys all within four or five years. So you're right. So you're playing with guys. that are 33 and you're just, you know, you're newly drafted at 21, 22. That's the biggest difference is the maturity level and the maturity of the guys you're playing and competing against. How about, let's talk about physical maturity at that point. And obviously you'd had a lot of success in college, which is why you were drafted where you were, but in terms of uh, being at an optimal kind of a weight level or, or really optimizing your strength, how, how has that evolved? I mean, I found myself needing to get stronger and bigger um, once I got here. And a large part of that has to do with the conference we play in. Playing in the AFC North is no gimme conference. It's one of the most physical conferences in the National Football League. And and goes along with that is strength and weight. And that helps. All right. Outstanding. What Do you mind telling me what you're playing at right now, approximately? Uh, 335. Okay. All right. That's terrific. That's that's got to be heavier than you were when you drafted. I noticed yeah, Bradley no. Bozeman was another lineman who who picked up a lot of weight while he was playing with the Ravens. Yep. Yeah, he definitely did the same thing. Uh, I mean, guys, guys do it based on our power running game and, and the competition we play within the conference. Uh Okay, so your rookie year, you got relatively limited playing time. But you t- talk to about what it was like, maybe being on the bench during a year like that, and and what you're what you're thinking, and obviously you're probably hoping to get on the field, but maybe what you can learn from a year like that. You know, my rookie year, I was uh, I was very sad. Uh, I was very uh, how should I say it? I had never, I didn't redshirt in college, so I didn't understand what a, a year of development meant to sit back and wait and watch, you know, it was such a weird feeling on game days going uh, to the, to the locker room and not, uh, not even being able 
in a position to be able to contribute that day. You know, it's something you learn and you develop as a player, like just sit back, just rest, your time's coming. You know what I mean? Essentially my rookie year, because I was inactive every game except the uh, week 17 against Pittsburgh, um, that was my redshirt year. And so I was able to use that year to learn behind Yonda and a lot of the things he uh, taught me are still things I carry on to this day. Uh, I was so fortunate enough to come here and be able to catch Yonda's last year. Um, I owe him an, a tre- tremendous amount for the, for my success because he was, he, ta- he taught me so much. So maybe you could tell us one thing that Marshall, you had to talk to one, one thing in particular that you remember about a, a, a important piece of advice he gave you in the NFL that you'd pass on to the next generation of linemen. Marshall Yonda told me, he said, you take the NFL, week by week and game by game. And that's how you make it to 13 years. He told me that one of the first conversations I had with him, he said, you take it day by day, week by week, game by game. It's exactly what he told me and I'll never forget it. Incredibly consistent player for for his many uh, years in this league. So uh, that's that's good advice. Uh, so we, we move on to the, to, to the 2020 season. And one thing I definitely wanted to hit you up with was what was your off-season regimen like? What do you do in a normal off-season? My off-season, I go back home to Wichita, Kansas. I relax. I take about three weeks off after the season. And then I start working out with my personal trainer, Kerry Rosenboom, who who just retired as the strength and conditioning coach of the Wichita State men's basketball team. I've been uh, working out with him since – my sophomore year of high school. So I've been working out with him a while and we get good work in. Okay. So you're, you have that certainly that you can do. Have you ever gone to any of the uh, position specific training things like the La Charles Bentley school or anything like that across your mind? No, I, I, I do not. Uh, I do not um, participate in those kind of events. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh Let's see. So we're moving on to 2020 now. You certainly got an opportunity to play and a fair amount of time. Talk, talk us about that season. In 2020, I believe I started playing about halfway through the season. It was halftime in New England. I believe it was Monday night or Sunday night. It was a torrential downpour. It was raining cats and dogs. And at halftime, Coach, Coach D comes up to me and says, Ben, you're in. <laughs> and I go in and I and I finish the game out and I'm consistent and I'm doing it. I'm playing how I'm playing and I stay in the rest of the year. And, and that's how that goes. Very, very good. Uh, definitely, definitely right on the money in terms of a very consistent second half of that season. I remember that New England game now. It's one of the ones I'd forgotten in terms of that deluge that was going on. I think the Ravens are also down to just a uh, three offensive, three defensive linemen, I should say, by the end of that game, too, due to some injuries. So. Uh, not a not a nice thing. Uh, who who got hurt in that game that you went in, or or was it? Does it? It was out? DJ Fluker at right tackle and Pat McCary at right guard, and they moved Pat to right tackle and moved me to right guard. All right, That's very what good. Ended up happening. All right, outstanding. So the 2020 season obviously ends in disappointment. Uh, tell us a little bit about your first playoff experience. Uh, I, I guess you had not, you did not play in the 2019 playoff game, but the 2020 playoffs you were in, right? Yes, that's the one we lost in Buffalo, and that that game was cold and it was windy. 
and it was loud. That was one of the loudest games I've ever played in because it, during, it was COVID and it was the end of the season of COVID. So some stadiums were saying we could have 60% capacity or whatever, but they still had all the crowd noise that filled the stadiums when there was no fans. So they had both of those factors. It was an unbelievably loud. It was cold. And we lost, so it all really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good. never a truer statement. Uh, you're you want to talk a little bit about your relationship with Coach D here. So let's take a break between the twenty and twenty one season. Uh, now, Coach D is quite a character. I've I've tried to convey how he coaches offensive line play on this show a fair number of times, but maybe you could talk a little bit about it. Man, Coach D is great. I owe him a lot of. Uh, uh, I owe him a lot for my success. Um, I've had him every year, which is, which I've been in a very f- fortunate position uh, to have the same coaches, the same OC, the same all that through my first four years. So I'm incredibly la- thankful for that. Coach D, uh, man, he's been doing this thing a long time. He knows his exes knows, that's for sure. So I love the way he does individual reps. It's very old school, very old school. He'll, he'll sit there and he'll literally set up one half of the offensive line center to tackle. And then he'll, yep. he'll, he'll have you, you three guys make blocks against usually other offensive linemen who are up in pads. And you think, yep. we've only got 10 minutes here. How, how can we possibly do enough during this? Man, uh, he'd be busting us through those dang drills. <laughs> he'd be working us. One of the things I'd noticed is that he wasn't shy to to really get in there and teach footwork well, which has been kind of one of the hallmarks of the recent years of Ravens offensive line play is there's there's been good footwork. Matt Skura is someone I particularly credit with very good footwork in terms of his ability to center, but um, there are other, other people as well in terms of not messing up pulls by you know having good footwork, knowing where to take your first step. And that's something Coach D always seemed to do he really was trying to deal, drill into you guys is how to how to make your first steps on any block. Yes, I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, your first two steps are what going to dictate the the uh, outcome of your block. You know, your first hand, your first two uh, steps, and then the first two movements with your hands are so crucial for any uh, any engagement of conflict. Really. All right. All right, that's outstanding. We definitely want to get into some of that in terms of inside football. Maybe we hit on one of those right now. Uh, in terms of of uh, how you you know set up your punch on a particular play, do you have a, a a preferred strategy or like a pass rusher? Do you have a set of moves in your toolkit that you can go to several during the game? I am an inside hand punch. So at left guard, my right hand, I'm punching and I'm stabbing his inside chest plate, so the D linemen's, the D tackles, left chest plate, I'm getting my right hand in there and I'm punching that and that's my target every single time. And then with my left hand, I'm a grabber with my outside. So I punch inside, grab outside. So I have power inside, control outside. And so that that's the world I live in. So you're, you're, you're grabbing, where's the ideal place to grab him? Is it armpit? Or is it uh, just grab a, grab a hunk of jersey inside the frame, or where do you? So go a lot of times I will start on the back of the shoulder pad, and as opposed to my right hand that once it's in there and grabbed, it stays there. My left hand moves throughout the play as the defender's moving. So ideally, I'm going to start back of the shoulder, and then I want to end via the neck, and I just kind of I kind of work there, and that's once you have the via the neck, that is the utmost control you're going to have as an old lineman. It 
once that's in, you're like, yes, I, I have him. That's what's going on in the in, in my mind. And by control of the neck, do you mean his jersey at the neck level? Or do you mean it, yes, yes. Yeah. The the via the neck of his shoulder pads. So I have my left hand inside on the outside and inside of his shoulder pad. All right. All right. That's that's just the kind of terrific inside football we want to hear a lot more of on this on this episode, Ben. Fantastic stuff. Uh I, I did want to ask you another question about uh, clues you look for from your opponent when you're pass blocking. So do you, how do you pick up on what he's trying to do to you and then alter your play? To So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I lock my eyes and on something on his jersey, whether it's going to be the NFL badge on right in the middle of, on his jersey, that's the NFL logo's dead center. A lot of the times I prefer to set to his inside number, so his closest number to me. So if he's 92, I'm looking at the two. I find a point at the top of the two, and I keep my eyes held there. That prevents me from getting caught in all the wiggle wiggle, all the shaky shake that a lot of D linemen defenders like to do. They do that. They do that stuff with their arms to get you uncomfortable. But if you're not paying attention to it, and you're looked at the center, the core of their body that's going to take you to where they want to go. So I I, I like to look and find a, a spot for my eyes to stay there, and that's what I key in on. That is, that is absolutely the coolest kind of stuff. So head fakes a lot also from defensive linemen. Do they still do those in the NFL? Yes. They're still trying to yep. yep. I have a, I, this is a, a offbeat story, but I have a 1950s copy of Weeb Eubanks scouting report on the Giants when he was with the Colts. Uh, I don't know if it was prior to the 58 championship game, but he has very limited notes on, on the players. But uh, one, one of them was an offensive lineman for the Giants. He's saying, we'll occasionally go for head fake. And I think that was somebody they were kind of targeting. So uh, it's, that's, that's awesome. really interesting. <laughs> it was great stuff. Uh, that just right. goes to show you, man, as much as the game has developed in terms of X's and O's, some techniques and the personal one-on-one battles are still the same. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Do, do you, can, are there defensive linemen who can make you lose your focus on that spot? Yes and no. Um, yes, in the aspect of, spin, you, know, you know, if a defender spin, naturally that spot has to change, right? Or a pick game is run and you change defenders or mm-hmm. they run at some kind of twist. Or if, if you lose that point, I mean, you got to lock in like that on a, on, a, on a snap, quick as a whistle. You got to lock back in and get back to your point. All right. So yeah, you're, you're since you're since you're changing, and and I guess if you're looking at that point, how do you maintain your generalized awareness that a twist or even a blitz might be coming, where your assignment might have to change? That it, those are all complete feel things. I, as a football player, as an old lineman, it, it's crazy out on the football field to be able to feel something coming and approaching you without seeing them. It is a feel thing that just comes with years and years of play. It also comes, you know, if that defender hops up, if he hops up on the snap of the ball and doesn't look like a full rush, you know that something's coming. So a lot of times, if I'm not getting a dedicated rush from a D lineman, I'll check out his eyes. A lot of time, a D lineman, if a pit game's running, he will be looking, the looper, the looping D lineman that Mm -hmm. is, is looking to the left or the right 
to, to, to know when to loop based off the pick, right? Guard's an interesting position to where we could get picked from each side. Center, I say I say that. I mean, center can get picked from both sides also, so mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. But uh, being able to get picked from both sides, you know, if his eyes are looking to the right, shit, the, the left tackle it might be um, stabbing down a DN that's coming to pick your hip, you know what I mean? So you want to mm-hmm. lose some depth to uh, account for that to be able to make that switch game so much easier. Yeah, that's that's got to be very difficult is controlling your depth appropriately because you often end up with an offensive lineman at two different depths that can't exchange nearly as easily as they should yep. be able to. That That is one of the cases where it's like uh, screw the pass off. Just stay on your man and don't let him get close to the quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. If you're on different levels, just stay on the levels. All right. Just outstanding stuff. This is love to hear this. So you move on to 2021 a little bit and obviously disappointing year down the stretch in particular for the Ravens with the with the way it worked out. Lamar's injuries, the injuries all over the team, frankly. Um, and I, I did not know this until recently, but I've heard it through the grapevine that you kind of were working through some injury problems at the end of the year, which was part of the reason why uh, Ben Cleveland was in there at the end of the year. Yeah, I had a uh, I had turf toe. So I, that's why I missed the last four games of the year. Okay, so kind kind of a bummer, obviously, but uh, uh, you know, a, a tough year for the Ravens all the way around to not make the playoffs. I can tell you, as an analyst, it's 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 every bit as difficult for us to have to do our jobs and review games that we know are losses as it is for you guys to go on the field. Maybe not quite as tough, but it's but it's but it's a pain. Uh, I uh, like twenty twenty two now having a having a really fine year. Let's talk a little bit about that. First of all, is there anything? for 2022 that you've been doing differently that that is a a step forward in terms of technique or in terms of of uh something new you learned or new conditioning or whatever it might be no i wouldn't say i'm doing uh anything differently per se my approach to the game and my uh, uh routines and how i approach football has stayed consistent throughout my my whole career so i would say that has that that has not changed okay all right. Uh, uh, one thing I, I kind of wanted to, to walk through with you because I think it's kind of uh, applicable to your, your, your the really good pass blocking you're having in particular is talk a little bit about how you process on a play where you don't have an immediate opponent in front of you on a pass block. So yes, we- yep. So uh, in pass protection, you have the call side, which is uh, the the side of the man side essentially is the call side. And then you have the sides slide side. So when you're on the slide side, you start at a backer and on the snap of the ball, if he's not blitzing or coming downhill, um, essentially we're out, out, we're, we're out there shouting out, out, and we're looking for the next thing. So I'm, I'm reading that linebacker from the get go, right? As, as quick as I snap my finger, I'm looking at his feet. And if they don't move, if they stay still, if they drop, I'm moving my eyes out to an, to pick up another secondary blitz off the edge, maybe a secondary blitz off the edge, DN slanting inside, or if nothing's coming, I am trying to get to the tackle to help him because I know that he has, the tackles have one of the hardest jobs on the field. So all the time I'm trying to get to them to help because I know their job is tough. So let me let me go through that once more and see if I have it correct because I want to really want to make sure for any writing I do in the future. So your 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 first look is to probably help the center or to look for the blitz first in that situation. So let's say uh, let's say we have a shade on the center and there's a guard bubble and then a five technique outside. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna set 
uh, I'm going to essentially set in the same spot. I have my right hand. I'm helping the center with that, holding space in my eyes. Everyone, all three of the linemen on the slide side are shorting the same backer. And then they go out, out from there. Okay. And so after, after that, there's, there's also the possibility of a twist or a stunt or a, or a, a, a looper for more than one gap that could be coming. I guess that's a fairly limited risk, but it does happen. Yes. Okay. And then, and then uh, it's the help block is the last thing you look for. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, that must have been something that watching Yonda do uh, in some of the past years has, has been really good. You, I guess you missed the first year in 2018 when James Hurst was at right tackle and Orlando Brown had just been um, drafted by the Ravens. Uh, Yonda did an amazing job the first half of that season while Hurst was still playing right tackle. And for whatever reason, they decided to wait on Orlando Brown. It seems stupid now, but uh, but they, they decided to wait. And Yonda was amazing at picking up help block after help block for Hurst uh, in those first eight games. So it's frankly making James look a lot better than he actually played, in my opinion. Yeah, I take pride on helping out my tackles. Um, it's something whenever I can help them out uh, and, and make it so their job is easier, I, I really enjoy that. I really do. So you, you, the, the Ravens, with their current uh, issues that have happened with Ronnie Stanley, uh, you know, missing, you know, some significant time this year. And obviously the other guys have been there probably more important than ever, right? Yes. Yes. No doubt. Shoot. By like uh week three or something, I had played like next to four or five different tackles, Jawan, Jawan, Daniel, Pat, and Ronnie. So four <laughs> different guys by like week two. So, I mean, all those guys, it's easy to be able to pick up and play based off how much we practice. So that, that is what's nice. All right. Very cool. Uh, let's see. What else did I want to ask you about while you're here? Maybe something else. Uh, here's something I wondered if Coach D really drills into you guys or if this is part of what's important. T to me, I think a, a lot of pass blocking is making sure that the quarterback's throwing cone doesn't get um, invaded. Now, yeah, I mean, you think of it as a pocket probably, and and I, I just wonder how this is done. How important it is, is it to you as an interior offensive lineman uh, to not give ground, set your anchor out as far as possible, or uh, tackles, on the other hand, seem to give more depth in, in to keep their mirror because they, yep. they tend to be on an island more. Talk, talk a little bit about that. You know, the depth of the pocket, it becomes crucial when we're talking pass game quick throws. So especially for guards to not lose ground on like a quick slant, so like a five and in, right? That's the, the QB's windows of where he needs to throw the ball are essentially right over the guards, whether it's left or right, whether mm -hmm. whichever his first read is. So to be able to stop that, because, you know, you give up the depth and then you also give up that defender looking at the QB and being able to jump and uh, tip the ball. And so those are situations where, um, you know, you just try to, you just try to, because a lot of the times you don't necessarily know that his first read is going to be that quick slant over you. So you just block it as it is almost, you know what I mean? It's not like this pass block. All right, Ben, we're going to throw this ball over your head. Don't, don't give up too much ground. You know what I mean? It's just mm -hmm. like, if it happens, it happens. I, I, that was on my list of things to also ask you was, 
how do you maintain engagement and try and um, prevent those kind of batted passes? What's your what's your go to move? Can you go to his stomach or can you go to any other area on him that would make him not want to do that? Yes. So uh, a lot of times I have my hands in good position and I'm already grabbing the heck out of him. Right. So if I feel him raising up or raising his hands up, I just try to hold him on the ground and I just try to prevent him from jumping. That's kind of if he gets up and he jumps high, you know, you try to punch him in the stomach. You punch him and try to you know, hurt him, make him not want to do that again, obviously. <laughs> So uh, guards who who uh, are more of mirrors or they're 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 not fully engaged have a significant disadvantage in those kind of situations, right? Yes, yeah. It, it to be, being engaged helps tremendously in a situation where the D lineman wants to jump for the ball because you already have your hands on them. All right. Uh, outstanding stuff. So the 2022 season, we're, we're in the middle of it right now. A lot of things going on for Ben Powers personally, obviously. And, and I, I, I'm not getting into any other personal life, but it's a contract year for you. Uh, yep. It's it's an important one for, for you to play well, obviously, and do that. Uh, any contract talks with the Ravens yet? None. Okay. All right. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I, I uh, We do want to make sure we get a... Uh, get the word out there of what a good year Ben is having. And we're going to put up a retweet for a pro bowl on the promo for this, uh, this pod, but I want to go through the, the, the points quickly, why you're having such a fine year. And hopefully you're, you're okay with this, but uh, is PFF's top grading pass blocking guard in the entire league. So whether you like my system or PFF system, PFF is the best for looking at multiple teams across multiple teams. If they say he's the best, that's a that's an extremely good place to start. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit on this show, but if you're going to be good at one, pass blocking or run blocking, be good at pass blocking. That's the more important skill. As much as the the um, uh, in space players get a lot of credit for what they're doing and they make some spectacular blocks certainly and they can push people uh 10 yards down the field on a run play if they're if they're heavies uh you know a lot and not that ben can't do that but it's it's that uh, uh those people get i think disproportionately credited for their contributions pass plays or high leverage plays uh in general so uh very big deal the other thing i, I and ben I, I i didn't know if you knew this or not but we talked about it during our production meeting you've only been penalized once this year which is fantastic and puts you in the top three least penalized guards in the entire league so Lakin tomlinson of the jets ezra cleveland of minnesota also have one penalty and a few more snaps nobody else has fewer penalties and 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 more snaps in the league so uh uh, extremely impressive in that regard, and and that's what a, bums me out about that is that the one penalty I had came against Jacksonville on a scramble situation. So I don't have eyes in the back of my head. I don't know Lamar's about to run to the left or right of me, but my hands were inside, and all the D lineman did was move his hands. And that referent crew that called it, they call the most offenses holdings in the league. So it makes sense. But I did not hold the guy. It should not have been called. It was a flop. It was a flail. But the penalty got offset, so it is what it is. But yeah. I try. I tried hard not to get in with penalties, so I was bummed out about that one. 
That that's great that you know exactly when it was. That's it's fantastic, and and you have a good memory of being flagged for that. Uh, it's it 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 was a bummer of a penalty in terms of losing a losing a run there and losing uh you know potential touchdown on that drive. Not that that was all your fault or anything, but but losing a potential touchdown that drive still a bummer. Uh, I want to say a couple more things with regard to the Pro Bowl. No fall off the table games from you this year, which is really nice. Sometimes there's a, there's a lot of normal variation in week-to-week play in the National Football League in offensive line play. You can't be great all the time. It's very difficult to, to be that good. But you haven't had any games that I would have scored an F, and, and PFF seems to have rated you pretty consistently as well. Um, when I In my scoring system, you've actually slightly outscored Kevin Zeitler. And Zeitler is the best guard never to make a Pro Bowl, for starters. Um, and he's also uh, having a fine year himself with good pass blocking and pretty good run blocking. So uh, I think you're in a you're in a good position here. I, I hope even if you don't make it, that people at least get a sense of what a fine year you've had and what a good offensive lineman you've become, Ben. I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show. Well, I appreciate that, Ken, and I appreciate all you viewers who take the time to vote for me or any of my teammates. Um, it means a lot to us. It definitely does, and I appreciate your time. And thank you, Ken. Uh, much, uh, much appreciated. Other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. You, you guys know what I'm looking for. Uh, ben, thanks again for coming. Ken, it was a pleasure. You have a good one, all right? And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.